You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. All right, guys, we're back for part two. Mark, 74 days from Iowa. Yes, sir. How does this thing get decided? You've been through a lot of these. Are Iowa and New Hampshire determinative? What's going to happen between now and the Iowa caucuses in 74 days that's going to make this thing come together for someone? So between now and then, let's start there. We'll do it sequentially. Between now and then, a bunch of the people that we just talked about in our uh, earlier uh, discussion, uh, a bunch of people are going to disappear. They are not going to make it to Iowa, and there will be fewer names on the uh, on the ballot. But the names we all know will still be there, and then it'll start getting sorted out. Somebody is going to fall out of the bottom after Iowa and New Hampshire by not being in the win, place, or show column. Got a win, place, or show in Iowa and New Hampshire to go on to South Carolina. I don't think it's going to be Joe Biden. But were he to come in fourth or fifth in Iowa, fourth or fifth in, in New Hampshire, that would be bad firewall, South Carolina and all that. That would still be a problem. Historically, candidates have to win either Iowa or New Hampshire in order to be competitive. I mean, every every recent Democratic presidential candidate in the primaries has won one or the other, except for Bill Clinton. But those were very unique circumstances because you had basically home staters. um, Tom Harkin, I think, in the Iowa caucuses and um, former Massachusetts governor, I think, in the... Yeah, Paul Sangus in New Hampshire. But... um, That isn't going to happen again, so... Well, it's unlikely. Win, place, or show, I don't think that cuts it. I think win, place, or show is going to cut it uh, to move on. It it is uh, the NCAA tournament. It is survive and advance. Got a win, place, or show to survive and advance. I don't think the same person is going to win Iowa and New Hampshire, although if he or she does... Then you're going to get to that firewall in South Carolina, unless it's Biden, who's unlikely to to win them both. So I think this one's different. We're always fighting the last war. Yeah. I I don't think Iowa and New Hampshire picked the president this time. Patrick, what do you think? And and what what substantively decides this? Yeah, I. I would say that I want to go back to the 1992 example, which was the only time in modern history where a Democratic nominee did not win Iowa or New Hampshire. And the circumstances, which which you mentioned, where you had Tom Harkin running in Iowa. So Iowa basically was not contested at all. And in New Hampshire, uh, then Governor Bill Clinton had an extraordinary comeback to finish a very close second place. So that's the only example. In this case, what we're talking about is the prohibitive national frontrunner 
losing both of the first two states and maybe not even placing in the top three. And what I sort of don't understand in the analysis is what happens in South Carolina if Biden finishes third or fourth, fourth maybe in both states. That is unprecedented territory. And Mark is right. We're always fighting the last election. Everything is a trend until it isn't. There are anomalies and exceptions in this business all the time. We all lived the biggest one ever uh, almost four years ago. But I have a really hard time believing that Iowa and New Hampshire are not going to play a significant role in choosing who the nominee is. They're going to play a disproportionate role. They always do. And it's disproportionate because they are small and white and not representative of the party or the country. And yeah, they're going to matter. And absolutely, for Joe Biden not to finish in the top three in both of those, that that's a big problem. But we don't know the answer to your question. What happens in South Carolina? What happens in Nevada? Mayor Pete isn't going to win South Carolina. But it just feels like these debates, guys, don't accomplish very much as far as um, breaking down the, the differences between the candidates. It's not like people watched last night to the extent they even watched and decided, okay, well, you know, based on that, I'm all in for Elizabeth or I'm a Pete guy. Like maybe, but maybe, but not, that's not what we're hearing. And so what, I mean, it's like a march to the Iowa caucuses, but without, it feels like there's no action forcing discussion taking place that enables people to make the hard choices and pick sides. And I don't know, it feels, it feels like there's something missing. But again, fighting the last war and looking back to the examples you and Patrick were citing, what happened in any of those races? John Kerry was nowhere mortgaged his wife's house and stormed from oblivion to winning Iowa, winning New Hampshire and the nomination. It was done after New Hampshire, but nothing happened. He just caught fire on the ground okay, so how in do you, Iowa. So, and that's the point. The how do you catch is, fire in this context? You have so many candidates. It's retail politics. They are all knocking on doors and sitting in living rooms and kitchens. And the, the likelihood is that somebody is going to make the sale. Somebody's going to close Yep. on it because that's what Iowa and New Hampshire don't pick based on developments in the Mideast. They pick based on people sitting in their living room. Yeah. Now I would add, uh, I agree with everything Mark just said. I would add that if you look at, at Mayor Pete, you had two polls come out this week, a Monmouth poll in Iowa and a St. Anselm poll in New Hampshire that both had him essentially up by 10 points in both states. And that got everyone talking about, does he really have these types of leads? Is he maybe peaking too early? All sorts of stuff. But Pete is the template for how at least you gain attention in this type of environment, Howard, which was your question. He's performed well. The media has fallen in love with him. They've given him favorable coverage. That's helped him raise money. And that money allows him to invest on the ground and build an infrastructure in Iowa and New Hampshire that is formidable and has gotten him uh, where he is today. Yeah. But it probably ends, to answer your question, how does it end? What happens? 
Super Tuesday is coming. You get California and Texas. And on and on and on. You have uh, about a third of the delegates required uh, to win the nomination are up. And you're going to have, I think, based on the last war and the current war, you know, somebody is going to do better than everybody else in Iowa and New Hampshire, and it isn't going to be Joe Biden. Somebody's going to do better than everybody else in South Carolina and Nevada, and it is going to be Joe Biden. And you're going to have a couple of people only. It isn't going to be that stage you saw last night. They're going to be two, maybe, maybe three, maybe three, probably two people who are in it still in a credible way on Super Tuesday. And when all of that dust settles, you know who the nominee is. So, guys, let's pivot to impeachment, which uh, is going on amidst all of this. And uh, just as a side note, you know, everybody asks me, I'm sure they're asking you guys, you know, is impeachment getting in the way of you doing what you do? And is it, how, you know, Washington must be crazy. Yes and no. I mean, I, I said this before. It's like it's going on in town, but life goes on. I mean, it's a media fascination. I frankly don't think anybody outside of Washington, D.C., um, to the extent people are captivated by it here, kind of on a sensational level in New York City. I just I don't think anybody cares. But with that being said, is it going to succeed as a political matter for the Democrats? And how do you think that impacts the primary? I'm hearing a lot of people say it was a terrible mistake. We never should have done it. The Democrats should not be pursuing impeachment. It's going to totally backfire. Not a terrible mistake. For one thing, it is the constitutional duty and responsibility of the House to take up impeachment under these facts. And as uh, as no, it's not. It's it's a political process. Right. It is a political process. It's entirely discretionary. Unfit. Well, sure, but when confronted with crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors. But but let's go to the politics since you, you want to discount the constitutional. There's this oath of office thing that some people take seriously. Yeah, that's no fun to talk about, though. Let's talk violated. about the fun stuff. But the politics, it's not going to matter. Everybody's already decided. Everybody knows he did it. Right. Everybody knows the House is going to impeach him. Yep. Everybody knows the right. Senate's not going to convict him. And it isn't going to hurt the Democrats. And it isn't going to help the Democrats. And it I agree. Is well, no, no, no. Everybody knows how the movie. Right. That's why. Everybody knows the beginning, middle, and end of the movie. Correct. We don't know how it's going to impact things politically. This is well, that's all what this politics. Is Right, so tell us, Mark. It's not going to matter I, I, because I agree. everybody's made up their mind. Yeah, Nothing. I totally agree with Mark. Go for it, Patrick. No, Since you, you agree with me. I yield you to do. Patrick. You just you hit it exactly on the head, though. It, and this is what's different about 1998: is that everyone knows the House is going to do it, and everyone knows the Senate's going to acquit. In 1998, I do think there were some people who were surprised that the House actually went through with it. I think they they were waiting to see if if maybe something more would happen, could they broker a deal on the censure? 
and they did it in a lame duck. I, I think here Mark's exactly right. This thing is as played out as can be. There is not a single thing that can come out in any of these hearings that would cause the Republicans to to change their position on impeachment. And so now we just got to waste a bunch of time playing it all out. And I, I agree. I think it's going to have nominal political he, impact for he's either He's going to get acquitted, Patrick. Right. He, he's absolutely going to get acquitted. And you don't think that helps him at all? Tell me. I what, don't. I, what I, has changed Trump's standing since the day he took office? Sometimes he's up a little. Sometimes he's down a little. But this this thing is locked down. It's a tragedy for the country yes. that nothing matters anymore and you can't <laughs> change anyone's mind. But nothing has moved the needle and nor will this. He's going to declare but victory. He was acquitted. He didn't do it. 78,000 votes did. in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. 78,000 votes. And it doesn't really matter that his approval rating hasn't moved. It doesn't really matter what we think. It matters what the 78,000 people that voted for him instead of Hillary Clinton think. Because they're also going to decide this election. And if they feel like this is a colossal waste of time and a colossal waste of government resources and a witch hunt, which he's going to make it out to be. They aren't even going to remember it come the election. Yeah. Look at what we Why would you take the risk? Look at what we already don't remember. I just, I don't understand taking the risk. We are, everybody already doesn't remember Charlottesville. Everybody already doesn't remember Helsinki. Everybody already doesn't remember the Mueller report. Nobody's going to remember this. Tell me who the nominee of the Democratic Party is. Tell me what the economy looks like in October. Tell me what the scandal du jour from the most corrupt administration in American history is. And and I'll tell you what's going to happen. By the way, can I just say that on the on TV all the time they're saying, this is just the third president to go through impeachment in the history of our country. That's not such a good record. Three presidents in 45 is not a good record. We should we should well, be and, doing better than that. And of course it's four. It's really 10% because of course it's four. Nixon just quit before it happened. Right. Howard, let me make a prediction too on the biggest difference between this Senate impeachment trial then in 1998 will be the facial expressions and general uh, demeanor of the chief justice. William Rehnquist was beyond excited to provide to preside over the first impeachment hearing in the Senate. He got a new robe. He did all this research. He was he was gleeful about the opportunity to do it, and he had you know no affinity for the president uh, who was who was <laughs> under trial. But this time, I think we're going to see a very annoyed Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, who can't believe that he has to sit through this thing. That's that's my prediction. Okay. Maybe. So, guys, is there any room in this race for Bloomberg? Because he's, again, toying with running. He's registering as a candidate in some of the early states. And and can anyone come from outside the, the current field and, and actually make a run? Um, I, my response to that, Howard, would be they cannot – come in this late and win the nomination. But if Bloomberg goes with a strategy of spending an ungodly amount of money on Super Tuesday and not focusing on any of the early states, 
it will have an impact on the race. I don't know what that impact's going to be. I don't know who it's going to benefit, who it's going to hurt, but it will have an impact. And I think that's the big question. And I think there's some candidates who are going to be helped by that and be hurt by that. I guess my view on this is that somebody could come from the outside. I just don't think either of the guys, Deval Patrick or Michael Bloomberg, who've just come in, can can do it. Well, you actually can't come from the outside if you don't get started soon because of these petitions to get on the ballot. And Bloomberg's a very, very smart guy, and he is keeping open the door in case he decides to waste a lot of money and not get the nomination. Right. But right. somebody he has who hasn't yet decided to, to keep alive the option is going to be foreclosed by the process. So nobody's coming from the outside. Deval Patrick isn't even going to get on the ballot in most of the states. Mike Bloomberg can, if he chooses to incinerate a lot of money, make some noise. I don't know, Patrick, that it's even going to matter much because no, I have tremendous respect for Mayor Bloomberg. Howard and I wrote a Washington Post op-ed once upon a time saying that he should be made the COO of the United States, but but nobody wants him to be president except some guys that he talks to in New York. And he's older than Biden, by the way. He's sharper, but he's older than Biden. Well, and it just shows the echo chamber these guys live in, too. I mean, they they all have this, like, savior complex, and they should have gotten in at the beginning. I mean, it's it's ludicrous to think that, you can come in this late in the process and win the nomination. Well, we just... he didn't get in because he didn't think he could win. <laughs> right. Um, he still can't. So, but I, I still think that it's, I think it's interesting. I think to your point, Patrick, he'd have an impact. I'm going to make a prediction that, that in the general election, we're going to see an independent candidate tilting to the Republican side that runs to take votes away from Trump. And ensure that he doesn't get reelected. Where's that's, Ross Perot when you need him? That's my that's my bold prediction for uh, the Beltway briefing today. Okay, so why are Kamala, Klobuchar, and Booker lagging? Um, I guess we touched on this a little bit earlier, but senators make poor presidential candidates historically. Is that what's going on here? Why can't one of them catch fire? Well, I'll say that, you know, it is often said that senators make poor presidential candidates. We've only ever elevated three directly to the presidency from the Senate, Warren Harding, John Kennedy, and Barack Obama. But 16 senators have been president. Uh, They just all haven't been elevated directly. Um, So I think that's part of it. I think you're just tied to Washington when you're trying to go directly from the Senate. I would also note in the three cases that it successfully happened, there was relatively short Senate tenure, so they weren't really even attached to the institution. I think Harding was six years, Kennedy was eight, and Obama was four. So, I mean, the, Kennedy was the only one who'd even been reelected uh, in running for the presidency and then winning. But I think it's more to a point Mark made earlier, Howard. They just don't have a lane, and they just can't. They they just can't seem to get a lane that works for them and and kind of gets enough support and, and they're able to pull away. And they just seem like like candidates that are kind of roaming without a without a place in the race. Yeah, they're all- I agree. Somebody 
on that stage is doing better at what they are trying to do than they are. There's just somebody in front of them. And for some of them, there are a couple people in front of them. And it does actually matter what, what you have to say. Also may matter how you say it. Now we're back to the Biden <laughs> debate. But um, Kamala just doesn't have much to say. Corey, I love him. I love that somebody is running for president talking about love. But it, it doesn't work. <laughs> he isn't going to get elected. And Amy, just uh, too much traffic ahead of her. Just too much traffic in that lane. So, Mark. Let's close on this note. End of the year, 1231-19. Who is in first place in the Iowa polls? Patrick. Pete. We know your answer, Patrick. Yeah. Well, I just want to make one comment about him. I actually think I've played it pretty straight uh, in talking about Mayor Pete. But, you know, the soup du jour is that it's all about the favorable media coverage he gets. But I'm going to invoke my, uh, since I'm in Chicago right now, my, my Midwestern uh, roots. You just talk to people who are watching this even a little bit from the sidelines, and they just like what he has to say, and they think he's interesting and authentic, and that's worth more than anything. I, I have advice for Pete that you can pass on, Patrick, since <laughs> I know you talked his campaign. He, next time somebody asks him about his experience, he should point out, that he is, I think it's six, it may be seven years older than Thomas Jefferson was when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. That's a great line. I, I think we should get that to his people for sure. Get it to Pete. Look it up first. But for sure, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's way older than, than Jefferson was. And all men are created equal has held up pretty well for the last couple centuries. Um, I'm going to say Elizabeth Warren. I think that... She's got so much game, I, you know, substance, I, rhetoric, incredible order. I think she's coming back. She's down five or six points there now, but I think she's coming back, and I think she wins it, and I think she wins New Hampshire, and I think she crushes the competition. So that's my prediction. All right, guys. Well, this was spirited and fun. Patrick? Your debut on the Beltway Briefing. We are very excited about that. This was a big moment for me. Thank you guys for huge uh, moment in your career. Thank you guys for letting I mean, me chime in. Time zone, even. I know. <laughs> very well handled. Marvels of modern technology. All right, guys. Thanks, and thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.